So I feel to preach something, and I, I want to just preach it because of um, a few weeks ago, Andrew did a sermon where he's talking about, and he said, Josh, Jen, I, don't, I feel like we're not wild enough, which was cool. And uh, we watched it in community groups, and it's about what it looks like when, when the Holy Spirit moves through a church and through a congregation, and just preparing our hearts for what that could look like. Uh, it was an awesome time. And then a few, I mean, it must be like three weeks ago, I preached a message about mission, meeting, and momentum being three things that I, I feel like we as a church can focus on this year, this mission, the mission of God, meeting together as the people of God, and then as a result of those things, finding momentum and moving forward in the things of God. And uh, I know you all remember that vividly, so that's great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to remind you, but I just am. <laughs> But uh, I feel like this, this sermon tonight is more in the thing of mission, like the mission of God, like what is the mission of the church, the mission of the church in Musenberg, the mission of church in, in Cape Town, in South Africa, in the world, and I, I want to do a little bit of that, it's the mission, but then also a little bit of a follow-on or a little bit of what Andrew was saying as well, like, so I hope it'll make sense as I unpack it, but I, I want to start by reading a fairly large portion of Scripture which Marie is very excited about. That's found in Acts 3, 1 to 20. <laughs> so you can just, uh, yeah, just listen to the Word of God. So Acts 3, 1 to 20. One afternoon, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour, and a man who had been lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he, where he was put every day to beg from those entering the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him directly and said, as did John, look at us, said Peter. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up, and at once the man's feet and ankles were made strong. And he sprang to his feet and began to walk, and, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as a man who used to sit begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the, man, while the man clung to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and ran to them in the walkway called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why are you surprised by this? Why do you stare at us as if we have our own power or godliness? By our own power, godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over and rejected him before Pilate, even though he had decided to release him. You rejected the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Sure, that's quite a line. But, G but God raised him from the dead. 
And we are witnesses of the fact. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing in your presence. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But in this way, God has fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn back so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus the Christ, who, he, who, has, um, who has been appointed to you. It's a powerful passage of scripture, and it's a powerful story. And actually, a few weeks ago, I wanted to preach on those words of Peter and John. When the man comes to them, he says, he's, he's, he's looking at me expectantly, he says, I need something. And Peter says, look at me. And when I, when I read that the one time, I was like, that's quite a strong phrase. Like, he's not saying what we would do, like, hello, brother, how can I help you? No, Peter's very direct. He's like, look at me. And the man gives him attention, and then he says, get up and walk, right? There's an immediacy to this, a directness to what the apostles are talking about. They're not playing around with this thing of the gospel. There's an urgency to what they're saying. But I'm not going to speak about that, even though I think it would, could be a really cool sermon. <laughs> but I, I do feel like where we are as a church now, what Andrew was saying is I, I'd like to talk more about this thing of, in verse 7, where it says, it's talking about taking him by the right hand and they help him up and he gets strong and he, he's walking and leaping and praising God in the temple courts. And as a church, I feel like we've seen some amazing things in a small congregation, if you just think back a few weeks, like we've seen people get healed and we've seen people delivered and, and set free and powerfully baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. Like those are incredible signs of God moving and working in the body of Christ. They really are. They're, they're amazing things. And I do feel like, like this story, we as a church have rejoiced in these things. Just as the man was leaping and, and, and singing and praising God, he was excited about what was happening. And I do feel as a church, we've done it. We've celebrated what God has done. And there's something of, when those things happen, you see a bigness of God. When you see something supernatural, you immediately realize just how natural you actually are. How small and insignificant when God moves and he does something, he, he moves into Andre's heart and he heals it supernaturally. You're going like, ah, uh, I don't understand. But by faith I get it. I understand, but I don't. But God is so big and I'm so small. And I think there's something, you know, if you look in the book of Acts, Acts 2.43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So maybe the question is, are we filled with awe when we see the signs and wonders that God is doing in our congregation? I, I, I think we are. So well done. <laughs> That's great. You never want to lose the awe of what God is doing. You never want to be like, oh, someone got baptized. Ah, do, I, do I want to go to the baptism? Like, what? Do you, <laughs> do you not want to see someone buried 
his sins removed completely and brought back to life in Christ. Because that's what baptism is. Not just like, uh, we're going to go down to the beach, it'll probably be a little bit cold, and we have to stand there while we're in the water, and like, oh, I'm so glad Wayne's doing it, I don't have to do it, and like, Wayne's going to get cold, and then we're like, okay, let's go get coffee. <laughs> that's a supernatural act, baptism. And so we see this man, this lame man, and he's healed, and people know him. He's been lame from birth. He's always been at this gate. He's been begging for money. And now they see this amazing transformation. Imagine knowing someone for your whole life in a certain condition, and then the next minute, he's jumping and leaping and praising God. Like, that is radical. That is going to get people going. TikTok will explode. <laughs> right? It will. It it should. It should. I don't know if it will. It should. But it's going to create conversation, right? People are going to be like, what the heck is going on? And he can't contain his excitement, right? He's he's in the temple. He's been um, lame his whole life, and he's healed, and his, his actions are public, right? His declaration is public before all the people in the court. He doesn't just go, ah, got healed. I'm just going to go home. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, guys. No, he's, he's excited. He's exuberant. He's like, something's happened here. This is amazing. He's walking and leaping and praising God. And the result of this public healing and his exuberance and his excitement of it is that people, this is what, this is what happens to people around him when, it, when this happens. There is wonder and amazement. A miracle just happened publicly. And he's expressed thanks and praise to God publicly. And the public are in wonder and amazement. And it says they were astonished. When is the last time you were astonished? I mean, Andre astonishes me every day, but I mean, apart from that. <laughs> yeah, I've only known him for a short time. <laughs> but there's this wonder, amazement, and astonishment at what has happened publicly in front of these people in the temple. And it makes you think again of Acts 2. It says, when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Obviously talking about Pentecost and the pouring out of the Spirit and tongues. I love that word, bewilderment, at what they are seeing. And it, what it really just means is their brains were exploding and they couldn't comprehend what was going on. Like, this is too good to be true. What is this all about? Confusion, surprise, excitement, astonishment, and filled with wonder. Now, this got me thinking. I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, this thing has happened. People have seen it. It's happened in, in the street almost. Like, if you think about it, like, it's happened in a public square. And uh, when we experience something of a move of God in our lives... Does our response to that grab the attention of believers and unbelievers alike? 
Because we all know, it's nice to come to church and to testify about what God has done. And it's awesome. Like, it, it builds faith. It's incredible. It, I love hearing people coming up and going, hey, God did this. It's amazing. But you know what you're doing? In some sense, and I don't want to be too cynical, but you're kind of preaching to the choir. It's like, yeah, of course God can do that. Hey, praise God. Like, my faith is built up a bit, and it's cool. And we should do that. Of course we should do that. But as I read through Scripture, I have to see that most of the passages where these things are happening, where miracles are happening, where people are astonished, are things that are happening, and those who are astonished are not Christ followers. They're not believers, and they are blown away by what they are seeing. Now, for argument's sake, and this is how our professor ones always have an eternal argument, you say, well, it was in the temple, and he was praising God, so he, he knew something of God. He knew that there was a God, and you know, he, was, he was a Jew, so he, but he wasn't a Christ follower. Maybe he was in Solomon's colonnade. Oh, we can debate this. We can, okay, we can debate that. <laughs> I'm just saying for argument's sake, because this, is the, this, is the, this could be an argument. Well, it was in those times, and they all kind of had a concept of God. In my workplace, it's just atheists. They don't believe in God or agnostics or Buddhists or whatever it might be. And yet we see Paul address the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians. Now, who was the patron god of Corinth? Does anyone know? So who was the, who was the god of Ephesus? We all know that one. Do we? <laughs> Diana. The patron god of Corinth was Poseidon. Poseidon was lord of the sea, earthquakes, and horses, for some reason. <laughs> it's like, lord sea, okay, we'll give him horses as well. Why not? Okay, cool. <laughs> and Paul addresses this, where he, he says in 1 Corinthians, he says, but if an unbeliever... Or uninstructed person comes in while everyone is prophesying. And he's, it's a scripture about prophecy and tongues. And he's saying when they come in that they will be astounded and astonished by what is happening. In fact, he says this. Um, they, they will say, God is truly among you. He says he will fall flat down and worship God, proclaiming God is truly among you. When they see people prophesying. We, um, we went for, for coffee with Dave and Pam recently. Where are they here? I saw them now at the back. And we, <laughs> we went to this place called Blended Cafe. Has anyone been there? No. Oh, okay, Ron is my mother knows Peter. Okay, Mons is, yeah, we went there with you, Mons. Blended Cafe is the most new age cafe in Cape Town. I'm not even lying. Like, you walk in there and, like, there's every kind of yoga under the sun. And then, like, yogas you've never heard of, and, like, every, like, so, there's, a, there's a sound healing studio there as well. I don't know what that is. Anyway, cool, whatever. And we're sitting there the other day, and we're having coffee, and we're talking, and then Dave starts talking about his experiences with deliverance when he was younger. And we're just sitting in a coffee shop, and if you know Dave, Dave's quite loud, and I love it. He just talks. He's just like, I'm just going to talk. 
And there were these two guys sitting in the at the table next to us. I've never seen someone's eyes grow so big in my whole life. And this is this quote-unquote spiritual place where people are all hip to the latest things. Like, hey, we're all spiritual. Like, it's cool. Your God is cool. My God is cool. Whatever. We're all cool. I swear, the guy, they actually moved tables in the end because Dave just kept going. He's like, yeah, then this, the spirit of this and that came out and I went to this place and it was incredible. And I was like, this is amazing. Because it's spiritual and it's cool that they think they are. They, they, they hear things like this and they can't actually figure it out. It's like, what are they talking about? They look normal. Like, they don't look weird. Like, they look quite normal. And they're talking about people being set free from demonic spirits. And I think there was a bit of amazement slash confusion, which is fine. And they, they moved away. We didn't get a chance to talk to them any further. But it was a great opportunity to actually just talk about the things of God, the supernatural things of God. And I also thought of Mike's testimony the other day. Like, Mike's testimony is this amazing, he's talking about all these things that happened, these supernatural things that have happened in his journey with leukemia. But actually, the, the, whole, the whole point of Mike's preach in many ways was to point people to Christ. <laughs> So, do we tell unbelievers our testimonies of what God has done? Well, it's not a rhetorical question, because the answer is yes. <laughs> but, but the challenge is, you know, we, we tell people that, that, are, that know Christ, and that's great. But I, I do think there's something in going, in your workplace, going like, do you know what? She's, I was so sick. And the church came and prayed for me. And I believe by faith I was healed. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's radical. It is. I mean, for Andre to go into a workplace and go, do you know what, guys? I was deathly sick. And a little 15-year-old girl put her hand on my shoulder at a conference. And she prayed for me. And my heart was healed. Like, what do people do with that? Other than either amazement and wonderment and bewilderment or skepticism and unbelief. But can I tell you what? Even if you preach the gospel to them, you're going to get skepticism and unbelief. So why not just go the whole hog and tell them the story? And once you've told them the story, give them the gospel. Don't let skepticism... Like, who knows what their response... Their response could be, that is incredible. That is incredible. Tell me more. Or it could be, I believe in science. Okay, Brew, we'll pray for you. Like, awesome. I also believe in science, but whatever. <laughs> you see, ministry or miracles leads to the mission. I truly believe that. It's a, it's, a, it's a gateway, it's a tool into, into presenting Christ. I mean, it's not the only thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that people are going to believe as a result of hearing about miracles. No, but it's, it's like I'm presenting you with something that could bewilder you. And I love what Peter does with this. Because he says, while the man clung to Peter and John. I love that image. This is man who's been healed and he can actually stand and walk. And he's clinging to them with just this heart of like absolute love and appreciation going, I don't know what's happened, but I just want to cling to these people because something has happened here. 
And it says, all the people were astonished and ran to them in the walkway called Solomon's Colonnade. Who were they running to? To Peter and John. They ran to them. And I love Peter. He says this. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people. You see, Peter's not just going, there was a miracle. Something happened here. Okay, cool. Well, that was cool. Hey, let's go on to the next thing. Let's go to the temple. Peter's like, no, I see something's happening here. People are running. There's, there's some, people are bewildered and, and they don't know what's going on. Okay, I need to address them. I'm going to address them. I, and it's the same with the workplace. Hey, I got healed. What does that mean? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's not just, uh, I'm getting ahead of my notes here. <laughs> Peter is alert to the situation. People are excited and he doesn't let this moment of wonder go to waste. He doesn't leave the people in this realm of mystery and wonder, but he grounds them in the work and person of Christ. I, um, I remember a few years ago, and this is the wonder of the internet, like there were people who were going into the streets, and it was awesome. Like they were praying for people, and people were getting healed. And that's cool. Like, that's amazing. Like, we love that. But then the end of that was, Jesus loves you. Okay, cool. Hey, you need to get healed. Okay, let's pray for you. Hey, Jesus healed you. Awesome. Jesus loves you. And that was, and that was it. And, and in itself, it's, it's, it's kind of part of the picture, right? It's, it's great that we're praying for people and people are getting healed, but it's only part of the picture. It's like, yes, Jesus does love you. Yes. But actually, he's healed you. Now what? And I love, I mean, Peter is emphatic in his response. He says this. He says, once the crowds have gathered and they've seen this thing, and he says, men of Israel, why are you surprised by this? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? And then he goes on to present the gospel. And it is a presentation of the gospel. Let me just read it to you, because I do think sometimes in our presentation of the gospel, we, <sighs> so, let me say this, Peter doesn't pander to the crowd, Peter says this, <laughs> it's, so, it's so good, he says, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus, you handed him over and rejected him before Pilate. You see, in a sense, when you go into the street and you pray for someone, they get healed. And you go, Jesus loves you, and now let me tell you the gospel. He was handed over to Pilate. Even though Pilate had directed to release him, you rejected the holy and righteous one, asking that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we were witnesses to that fact. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has made him complete, uh, complete healing in your presence. 
And now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance as your leaders, but in this way God has fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying, all, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then. And turn back so that your sins may be wiped away. At times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, who has been appointed to you. When, you. when you tell your unbelieving friends in the workplace what Jesus has done in your life, if they are open to it and, and, and a sense of bewilderment and wonder, don't just go, Jesus loves you. Tell them the full gospel. You're a sinner. You need to be saved. Christ died on the cross for you that so that you could be saved from your sins, so that you could re be redeemed from your sins. Repent, therefore, so that times of refreshing may come and lead them to Christ in, a, in the right biblical way. Because at that moment, there's an opportunity. They see something of God. It's ours to take that chance and go, okay, I'm going in. Does that make sense? So, going back to what Andrew said, as we see more of the supernatural happening in our meetings, and I pray we do, I really do, that we see more of the, the Spirit of God poured out and people healed and delivered and set free and all those amazing things. I pray that we would be open to sharing it with people around us, not just those people that we know in the church. Because this man was walking and leaping and praising God. Imagine if you walked into your workplace walking, leaping, and praising God. And then they knew on Friday you were like this. Ah, ah my leg. I broke it. <laughs> I broke it mountain biking. Whatever. You come in on Monday like, hey. Jesus is awesome, but your leg, my leg's healed. Woo, okay. How did it get healed? Jesus, okay. What does it mean? I'm bewildered. Here's the gospel. Bang. <laughs> and I know, I know. When I say mission, mission means evangelism. And evangelism is, a, who's scared of the word evangelism? Who, who, no one. That's amazing. Okay, you're all evangelists. <laughs> This is the first time no one's ever raised their hand in a meeting. You guys are amazing. So I'm preaching to the converted. Sorry, the only honest one in the room. Okay. <laughs> it is, it's a little bit of a scary word, right? This is what evangelism actually means. It says spreading, the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Public preaching is what we think immediately. Oh, evangelism. I'm going to have to go to the beachfront now. And Dylan's going to give me tracts. And then I'm going to have to find, I'm going to have to pray that God points out someone to me. And then I'm going to go to that person and I'm going to preach publicly to that person. Or I'm going to stand at a street corner and, and preach publicly. But actually, I think there's something in this thing of personal witness. You know what? God did something in my life. You know what? I was depressed. I struggled with depression for so long. And God has set me free. Whatever it is, I, that's just an example. No, exactly. Spiritual, mental, emotional. Personal witness. Telling someone about something that you have seen or experienced. 
Who's experienced the supernatural act of God in their lives? Now you know what I'm going to say now. <laughs> yes, you expelled for that way too quickly. You've all experienced it. So actually, all that evangelism is is going to someone and going, do you know what I experienced? This is what I experienced. And you know what? I can't, I can't explain it. And I'm not even going to try to explain it. But I know that I was here and God did a move and now I'm here. And that is a pers- that's an experience I've had. And they can't tell you any, they can't tell you experience is wrong. So, if God has healed you, tell your neighbor. If you have experienced his love in a profound way, tell your community. If you found family in the church, Tell the lonely and the searching. What good is it to see someone and say, that person looks really lonely, when scripture says he adds the lonely to family? If you have been set free or delivered, tell the bound and the trapped. And if God has used you in any way, tell someone. In fact, I'd say, tell anyone. Tell the cashier checkers. Julian does that very well. <laughs> I think Julian knows all the cashiers and checkers. They all know every. I think he's witness to all of them. <laughs> but I, I promise you, in your day-to-day life, it's very rare that you're not going to come across someone that you can go, do you know what? God did something in my life. And if it was yesterday or 10 years ago, it's still valid. Do you know what? 10 years ago, God did this for me. It was incredible. Well, I just wanted to tell you that. Okay, cool. Yes. No talking about the bunny. <laughs> no bunny. Guys, Easter is banned. No, don't. <laughs> okay, let's not get sidetracked. <laughs> so this is my prayer for this church. I pray that as a church, we would not only have great stories of what God has done, but we would become great storytellers. See, there's no use having a hundred stories of what God has done for you and never telling them. Like, I've got this really good story, I'm just not going to tell anyone. What? (laughs) (laughs) Jokes, why did I do that? That was terrible. No, but I seriously tell people. (laughs) So I I wasn't beating anyone with that. I I was beating my own flesh. Let's go with that. (laughs) that we would become a church who have great stories and become great storytellers. Storytellers of the small stories of God's goodness and mercy. Tellers of how he healed you or us or tellers of, and even more so, tellers of the greatest story ever told. Great to tell the stories of what God has done. It's amazing. But that, that your story must lead to his story. 
There's no good, you can tell your story, but unless you're going, this is my story, but actually my story falls into a much bigger story, and it's a story of redemption, and grace, and love, and mercy, and you know what? You can be a part of that story with me. So, who has a story to tell? <laughs>